0: Hey Insomniacs, welcome back to another episode of the Night Writer podcast. I know we've been on a, a bit of a break for summer, but we're back now. And our first guest back is author and writing coach J.P. Chocquet. I'm so excited to introduce her to you. She is an author who specialises in thrillers and suspense novels with themes of nature, art and folklore. She's a member of the International Thriller Writers and the Alliance of Independent Authors. I had so much fun chatting to her and it really felt like I was on a writer's therapist couch. Go check out her YouTube channel. She gives great advice about writing and marketing your books. And I know that during the pandemic, the creator well must have dried up for a lot of writers. I know it was definitely like that for me. And so what JP and I do is we talk about all of that and she gave us some tips and tricks to combat that and how to climb over the writer's block. Um, And I I left the interview feeling very much inspired to carry on with writing my novel. And I hope that all you writers out there struggling with lockdown and writer's block feel the same as well after you listen to this. Because we're all in this together. So I'll drop all her links in the description below, including her website and social media. And if you want to watch the interview, head over to our YouTube channel, which is The Night Writer Podcast. So enjoy this episode and I will see you in the next one. Bye. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Night Writer podcast. We were on a break for summer, but now we're back. And I'm really, really pleased to introduce uh, our special guest, JP Choquet. Is that how you pronounce your last name? It's very close. It's Choquet. Choquet. Yeah, JP Choquet. And we're going to be chatting all about her books and her YouTube channel. Um, she's an author and a writing coach. Um, JP, hi, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's, it'll be fun. I'm really, really excited to actually um, unpick your brain about writing, just because I looked at your YouTube videos and there was one video in particular that really, really struck a chord with me. It was the one about writing, uh, people pleasing, Mm. writers who people please. And I saw it and I just thought, That's me, that's literally me. I I just want to spend time in a room with my fictional characters, just spending time with them, no one else. Uh, But then you say yes to like this and someone asks you to do something and you can't say no. And then once again, your writing just gets shelved.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a very, it's a very common um, problem in that video in particular. I got quite a lot of feedback both email and um, on Instagram, people just reaching out and saying like, oh, I either like I've never thought of that as people pleasing, like I never saw how that tied into my writing, or other people saying, yeah, I know that's a problem, but um, I can't seem to stop myself (laughs) from from doing it. And it is, it's definitely it's a struggle and something that I still struggle with now um it's very difficult to tell someone oh no i can't go to your party i'm gonna be sitting alone in my room writing <laughs> writing about these people in my head <laughs> do you say i mean do you consider it as in work as in like a, a
0: job this is basically i can't come out because i'm working or is it just or do you refer to it as writing
1: Well, for me, there's kind of, um, some overlap because I write, um, during the day for my clients. So I'm a copywriter. And so I do a lot of website writing blog, blog articles, email newsletters, and that kind of things for clients. And then, um, I kind of work my fiction writing in around the edges of my day. Um, so yeah, that's a, Good point. I think I should just say more often, oh, I'm sorry, I'm working. Um, <laughs> although even then people are like, well, you're self-employed. You can just, you know, do that later. Yeah. <laughs> you can still be the party.
0: <laughs> I, but, I find as being like a freelancer that people kind of just assume you have all this free time.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly. I think the most important thing is just to... Um, First, just to recognize that we're doing it. And secondly, to try to create some boundaries around it before you're in that position. And know that sometimes you probably will choose somebody else's needs over your writing time. But at least if we're conscious of it, maybe it won't happen quite as often. And even saying no to like a few things um, can, I think that can kind of help build up that habit of not just quickly, automatically saying, oh, okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'll be there. Or, you know, it, it might just make you pause and think before responding with an affirmative, just to say like, hey, wait a minute, you know, my writing is really important and I only have this number of hours in the week, so when am I gonna fit it in?
0: <laughs> and have you found, um, since the pandemic and, and lockdown, um, have you
1: found writing easier or harder? For me, it's been harder.
0: Same.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I've really been in awe of people who are like oh my gosh I'm like I, I feel so free now I'm just pounding away on the keyboard and I <laughs> I forced- exist actually <laughs> 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 I forced myself for many many months of the pandemic to just keep writing um, even though I didn't really like what was coming out for me it's um, writing is always like a practice. And I feel like if I'm not putting in the time, then I'm not gonna get anywhere. So even if it's a struggle, I try even now just to do like really small increments. So maybe 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes a day, just to kind of stay in practice. Um, But yeah, for most of the pandemic, it's just been a slog. And I feel like the things that feed my creativity, and maybe this is the same for you, they're all gone or have been severely restricted. So it's very hard to keep drawing from that empty well creatively. Yeah, because it's like, how are you supposed to write about stuff when we're
0: when actually what's going on in the world is so much bigger than anything I can comprehend at the moment?
1: Right, <laughs> like,
0: right. Like, living through this, like, what, in the beginning, what seemed to be like this apocalypse, like, what can yeah. I possibly write is gonna be this? <laughs> <laughs> um but do you have a specific uh, room in the house where you write or can you write in different places in the house or do you have to be in one area
1: no i tend to write all over the place um i write sometimes i take my laptop usually in the early morning is when i work on my fiction and what i normally do is take my laptop and sit in the living room my husband leaves for work pretty early so i have like some time before my son wakes up when it's pretty quiet And so I'll try to do my fiction writing then, but that doesn't always happen. So sometimes I will um, squeeze it in, just like I was talking about earlier, kind of in the edges of my day. And that might look like a coffee shop with headphones on, or um, even here in the house, once in a great while, I'll do it when my family's home, if I have my headphones in place. Um, But yeah, I love listening to rain, uh, like thunderstorms when I write fiction. Your yeah, two? we do. Yeah, I thought that was just me. No, I love that. I love that. It's so it's meditate. It's relaxing and like meditative, and it really helps me to. I think now because I've done it so long, and this might be the same for you. I just feel like when I listen to it, I'm like, Oh, okay, it's time to. It's time to like go into that place now.
0: Do you didn't like those ambience things on YouTube, like those three hour loops that go. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes.
1: Yes, yes, and my favorite now I found thunderstorms combined with crackling fireplaces.
0: Yeah. in like a study or a li- old-fashioned library, or something.
1: yes, <laughs> I, I really find wonderful. that
0: really helpful because I am. Um, well, I'm, I'm writing a Regency book at the moment, so like a Regency novel, which is just hard. but I find it really helpful to put like carriage ride ambience or you know oh yeah Korean street something and you get in the mind the mindset to write and I'm thinking like I can't remember what I used to do before but when you're at home at least use that um if you can't go out and get that
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. I've listened to, um, when I was working on something that was set, it was like a part historical fiction. I found, um, like horse hooves on cobblestone streets and I would just like have it on repeat. Like it was wonderful. I was like, Oh, I can, I can just feel myself in this carriage. <laughs> yeah.
0: It sounds really weird, but actually talking to another writer that does that, I don't feel like someone. Else. <laughs> and also I suppose, cause we write sort of like, dark things um it it gets like thunderstorms would definitely help get you into that mindset yes um because yes you write mysteries and thrillers how um when you're writing a mystery uh, do you start at the end and then work your way back or do you just have the whole you have to take ages to map out the story
1: no i wish that i was somebody who could plot stories and I've tried and tried and tried to be somebody who could plot because it makes so much sense and it seems so much simpler and by nature I'm like really organized and I love having things like scheduled and in my planner and I like having everything like just all organized and categorized and like but I don't know some for some reason like my creative side is like no we're not doing that. So I just, um, yeah, when I start a book, usually I have the idea and, and I've got some characters and that kind of like has bounced around in my, my mind for a little while. And then I just dive in and kind of like see where the story takes me. And, um, and I never, ever want to know the ending before I get there. So that makes it really tricky when you're writing a mystery or suspense, because you, sometimes I don't even know like who the villain is as I'm writing. I'm like, Oh boy, I hope this works out. (laughs) But, um, it's just, it's very, it's a very cool thing to see it like come together. And to, for me, it just energizes the whole process because I want to find out what's going to happen. So that kind of keeps me wanting to move forward.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that (laughs) because I I can't, I mean, I really wish I could be one of those people that have those like spider web, uh, you know, splash have beginning, middle, end, and I'm just like, no, you know what, I'm I'm actually just going to write and just keep going and just see what happens. And I I realize as I'm doing that, actually, the stories keep changing, characters keep changing, and I have to keep going back to rewrite earlier chapters because I get an idea. Do you find that? And then it just takes more time.
1: Oh, the editing is so awful and the editing is my least favorite part of the process to begin with. And then that's another reason I keep telling myself like, oh, if you could just plot, you know, the editing wouldn't be so awful, but I go through so many drafts, rewriting and filling in gaps and holes, like you said, or having to change things around because they just don't make sense anymore. Um, by the time I've gotten to the end. So, yeah, that's the downside. The upside is like it's this freewheeling, fun, um, you know, adventure when you're writing the first draft. But then the downside is all the editing <laughs> that comes in afterwards.
0: Yeah, I always kind of love the first drafts of anything being just like um, I think one of my tutors at uni said it's like word vomit. You just have to vomit everything on your head out onto the page. And then the afterwards, it's like, <laughs> All the stuff but um I have a, a nasty habit of editing as I go along. Do you find that
1: as well? I do not let myself do that, and if you don't mind, i 'll tell you why that is <laughs> um, When I first started writing fiction i i've always loved writing and I've always loved writing fiction since I was a little little kid but As I got older, I really wanted to write a novel and I just could not finish. I tried everything I could think of. I followed all the advice in like Writer's Digest and all the other publications and I would like listen to all the interviews of authors that I loved and then I tried doing what they said they did, but for me, what finally worked was, um, two different things. So the first was to write in small increments, like I was talking about earlier. So usually for me, it's like 15 minutes is what I tell myself, like, that's all you have to do. And then the second thing that really changed things for me was not letting myself go back and edit because, um, it just, it uses two different parts of our brains. And usually the editor side is that like critic who's, you know, they're trying that's their job. They're trying to like find the holes, find the issues, find out what's not working. Um, but when your draft is like this tiny little seedling, the editor side just feels like this giant steam shovel, like squashing it <laughs> yeah, exactly. all flat. Yeah. So what I do is um I just let myself go back and read like one to two paragraphs. To get myself back into the story and then i'll keep going um and sometimes i even leave myself notes in the manuscript like next scene coffee shop with blah 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 and um they're gonna have an argument or whatever just something that i think is gonna work and i don't want to forget about i'll just leave myself a note right in the manuscript and then when i go back the next day i have like a jumping off point
0: um Yeah, thank you for that because I, I do. It's a habit that I am improving on, but it's just it's just one of those things. I feel like, and like you said, you're conscious about what other people are going to do, and I I find that as well because, for example, if I want the hero to be this like rake rogue, you know, nineteenth century hero, but then I'm like, oh, but my grandmother might read this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh no, you can't think about that. You actually can't. You have to just think about what's best for the story um, and what's going to happen, but it's it's hard to kind of separate yourself from. It is.
1: Yeah. But I think that's part of the beauty too, of having that really messy first draft, because just keep telling yourself like, it's okay. That probably won't even end up in the final version, you know, and that way you're not doing quite so much self-censoring because you know, you're going to have to do like a huge edit anyway so that's a way to like kind of reassure ourselves as we're writing like it's just the first draft it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> yeah i think i also saw a comment i think in one of your videos i think it was on on the uh, people pleaser one where someone said that she deleted her whole book she's writing yes. novel and deleted the whole and
1: I, I i had to reread
0: the comment i'm like Wait. Really? Why?
1: I know. I know. That was so sad. I felt my heart like, like, oh, why? Yeah, I know. I think sometimes even if you, even if we get to that place where we want to delete it and where we think it's trash, like just save a copy somewhere and like tuck it away because you never know what it might turn into later or it could be like the seed of something really great, or it it could just need some tweaking. And maybe you're not in like the mental space or the creative place to be able to do it right then. But don't delete, it's <laughs> just put it aside. Any any dead project can be
0: resurrected as long as it's saved on your computer. You can always come back to it whenever you yeah. Want. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it was cathartic. I don't know. Maybe she
1: really. Could. I know. I don't know. I hope she found a way to recover it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um, so you mentioned about writing an increments and you've uh, written a book called the 15, writing in 15 minutes, writing a novel in 15 minutes. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Oh, which I'm really intrigued. I want to read that because I feel like that's, that would be really easy to, I mean, it might, might not be, but you know, just time time and, and finishing something for me is an issue because, um, I, I did write it I studied creative writing at undergrad and as, as a master so I was used to writing prose and and all that kind of stuff that was what I was trained in but then I started writing for theatre um playwriting and it's like a completely different um like medium it's like all dialogue and I have no problem finishing it because I know where it ends and and now since the pandemic obviously with theatres on the just put on pause um I started going back to novel writing and it's hard to get back on that horse because it's like he said she said the room of all this <laughs> stuff you don't have to worry about when you're writing just masses of dialogue um it's i find it hard to just finish it <laughs> i think yeah
1: that's
0: the biggest thing for me
1: yeah that's that's the beauty of that um i call it the 15 minute writing method which is completely unoriginal but um it really like I said earlier, it just changed how I felt about writing. And I feel um, I don't think I'm alone in the fact that I feel a lot of resistance to to writing fiction. And, um, you know, sometimes once you get into it, it's like, oh, my gosh, I love this. Everything's flowing and the ideas are sparking and it's just like, you know, an hour can pass and you're like, what happened? (laughs) You feel like you've entered this other like dimension or something. But um, getting to that place, even on the good days can be the hardest part of the whole process. Um, Just like any other habit that you're trying to build, right? Like if you wanted to start a walking habit or if you wanted to go to bed earlier or whatever, whatever good habit we're trying to build in the beginning, it feels uncomfortable. and, um, And writing is hard. I mean, it can be really hard and it can be discouraging and frustrating and so of course we want to avoid it (laughs) naturally Um, so just telling yourself like "Oh, I'm just going to do whatever like five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes and then if you have time and you want to keep going then go for it but sometimes you know if you're working a full-time job or if you're a parent with little kids at home or you just have a really busy life um, you may not have time to do more than 15 minutes, but it's amazing how much progress you can make in that little tiny increment of time. Like people will say like, that's ridiculous. By the time I sit down and like get into my story, my 15 minutes is gonna be all done. But I, I always challenge them, like just try it for like a couple weeks, a month and tell me how it went. And yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> So is it like a chat, maybe a chapter in 15 minutes or just half or just whatever you can get? Whatever yeah, can get. just
1: whatever you can get. And sometimes if you need like a little bit more motivation, you can um, try to keep track of your word count from the day before or from like the whole week. And like, you might try to challenge yourself to see if you can get a higher word count or you can like set a timer and just see, I don't know, like how many different um conversations you can get or you know just make like little tweaks like little challenges to make it more interesting um but usually like 15 minutes is not that much of a a hard thing so usually just that just setting the timer and going for it um usually you're so bored because you're like well i'll just sit here for 15 minutes so i guess i'll just write something even if it's bad and yeah (laughs) it just gets you over the hurdle of starting and I was want to like want to unplug, like get rid
0: of the Wi-Fi on the laptop because like, I don't want any distractions, but at the same time I want the ambience thing as well. So it's like, but then I have to distract, like have self-control. Don't go on YouTube for anything else. Don't watch anything else. Like Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> self-control, which I actually had a lot of like before the pandemic when I was able to just go out to coffee shops and write and sit, but yeah. now to do that. So i wonder if there was like a coffee shop ambience i could just put in my hair
1: and then i could just pretend i'm in starbucks or something oh there is there's starbucks yeah there's starbucks ambiance. there's cafes with rain on the windows there's um cafes like on a warm spring day it's, there's a ton of them you'll have to search
0: i'm definitely i'm definitely gonna do that. um how many um drafts do you even in with the 15 minute challenge um Could you use that to spend time with your characters and find their voices? Because I find that even, I know I'm on the first draft, their voice isn't going to come straight away, but I mean do you find that your character's voices and their characterizations are already right there or do you have to spend a lot of time with them before you know who they are?
1: I feel like most of my characters come to me like as themselves. And so, um, but with that being said, I worked with a developmental editor um, on one book, and she pointed out some interesting things that I hadn't thought about as far as the character motivation. She was like, you know, I'm not sure that this like really lines up with who she is, because you're saying and you're showing us that she has these insecurities. Um, but then she's not really like, I'm not really seeing how that's affecting her life negatively. And I was like, Oh, that's true. So then I went back and like looked at all of her motivations again. Um, but yeah, I don't spend a ton of time. I probably should spend more, but I don't spend a ton of time fleshing out my characters. I feel like they, I'm kind of discovering them and discovering more of their attributes and like kind of what drives them as they Come into the story and kind of like as the story goes along, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, do you ever kind of have moments where you want to just like shake they're in front of you and you should be like, what do you want? Like what what do you want? <laughs> like I need to do something and I like, just can't get anything out of you. Just say <laughs> something, do something. Or they're or they're screaming at you like, what do you want me to do? I'm right here. I'm like, right, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something that I've found to be really helpful when I'm getting kind of stuck on a character, I feel like they're boring, is try to get them into an argument with another character. And it can even be them, like if, if there's no other character around that it would make sense for them to argue with, maybe have them reflect on an argument with someone and like tie it into what the situation is that they're in right then. Because some really interesting stuff comes out when an argument takes place. Yeah, when characters are under
0: well, that's the one thing you learn is when characters are under pressure, that's when the real people start coming out and you say so watch uh, my first draft probably gonna be all these characters arguing with each
1: other. <laughs> yes. It's just gonna be fist fights all through your first draft. <laughs> Can't
0: wait, well it's a historical drama, so why not? <laughs> um have you found that um how many drafts do you have to go through before you finally get to the end and how do you know it's the end
1: like no more more yeah um gosh it's it's such a depressing number i would say probably at least five or six before i send it to my editor um and my beta readers i send it to them actually before it goes to the editor so i like to kind of reflect on all of their um comments and their feedback. And then I go through and do another edit. So that's probably like number four or five. And then I send it to my editor. And then I go back through and edit with her suggestions. And um, and then if I'm very brave and I have the time, sometimes I'll try to print the whole thing out and just go through it one more time before, I, before it gets published.
0: I always kind of find that because um, I'm kind of used to doing like the drafts and the re-editing and all that with the, the, my plays um, before it gets on stage um, and I, some some of the kind of producers or a director would be like could we not have this or we don't need this and this um, and usually I'm just like yeah yeah fine fine but what, sometimes it comes to a moment where you as a creative really have to fight to get something put in there. Have you ever had that? I feel like with editors sometimes they might say no no, no take this out for like a technical reason but then For the story or just for the character you feel like you need to keep it in. Um, Have you ever had any issues like that?
1: Yeah yeah there was one novel where the editor thought that um one of the characters was kind of extraneous and she's like I think you just get rid of her she doesn't really need to be in there at all. But I left her in, I left that character in because I felt like her conversation with the main character, they were roommates and um, I felt like her conversation and their um, friendship was kind of this character's like only lifeline. <laughs> like she didn't really have anybody else in her life. Her parents had passed away. Um, she just come out of a really like special long term relationship, and she was kind of estranged from her her only sibling. And um, so I felt like that relationship with her roommate was needed because otherwise. A, it would have been kind of boring because every time she was at her house, there was nobody to talk to except her cat. And B, um, I felt like that character of the roommate helped to kind of offset this main character's life because the main character, was very, she was very isolated and kind of almost like a hermit. She was an artist and she lived like out in the boondocks and um, her life was very quiet. And so her roommate was an older lady who had lost her husband and she was like always on the go. She was active in all these different organizations and she did all this volunteering. And I thought it was kind of a nice dichotomy between the two to kind of show like everything that, Isabel, the, the artist, was missing out on by living this kind of self-motivated, um, very quiet, hermit-like life. So how did you get around that? What did you just say? Or do you, you say that? Or... Yeah, I basically just said, no. Nope. <laughs> I really think that she needs to stay in. But I did try to, um, I did change the character a little bit to make her, I cut down on the amount that she was in the story. So, because the editor, I think the editor had a good point that there were some scenes that like, maybe didn't really need to be in there. They weren't really moving things forward. So I did try to just modify those. And so we we kind of came to a compromise, I guess. (laughs) That's good. I didn't quite with them. (laughs) Um, Do you
0: find, um, dialogue kind of easy because I find dialogue easier to write in my my novels now having like done so much of it in, in playwriting but um do you find
1: description or dialogue easier or just same amount I prefer description and setting I really like making moody atmospheric tense um settings and so I have to kind of rein myself in so that I don't get stuck in like creating the setting too much you know going on and on about like how the sky looked with the dark clouds rolling across it (laughs) um but and i feel like the uh dialogue has gotten better since my first book so yeah I, i i'm trying to like strengthen that area because it's not it doesn't come quite as easily to me as the setting does and try to tone the setting down a little bit so it doesn't like overwhelm the book
0: Yeah, I guess I think I just that from the first book, the first book you wrote, and obviously it's been like you learn as you carry on writing and publishing its process. Yes. Um, how did it feel to hold like a published copy of a book in your
1: hands? It was so amazing. (laughs) I cried. I will not deny that. I opened the box and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like it was so surreal.
0: Um, I also saw, like, you uh, you did a video about self-publishing and the myths of self-publishing. Are you for or against self-publishing? Or just different?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's different for every person. And I think each writer really has to take into account a lot of different things, like how comfortable are you kind of being a project manager? Because that's basically what you are when you're a self-published author. Um, how much do you like to learn like new software and new platforms? Um, how comfortable are you trying to find experts who can help you with the different pieces that you're not going to do yourself? Um, but in general, I would say if anyone is kind of a self-starter, somebody who's really, um, creative and likes to experiment and learn new things and, kind of be in charge. I think it, self-publishing is an awesome, awesome um, way to go, just because not only do you have say over the finished book, but you also get to market it in the way that you want. Um, and you also get to, um, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, you also get normally much higher royalties once the book has been published um so while you don't get the advance that you might if you work with a traditional publisher um once the once you publish all the royalties that you get are are yours to keep (laughs) obviously you're not giving a cut of that to um, the agent and the publishing house although the platform that you publish on obviously does take its cut before you get your portion but it's generally um much more generous compensation for the author uh if you are indie published versus traditionally
0: yeah cuz I, I published a, sh- a small short story like a really on kindle shorts um mm-hmm. so it's obviously it can't be like physically but it's on there but yeah that was quite thrilling just to be set up as an author yeah um, and yeah, I think Amazon takes, I think maybe like 10, it depends how much, how many pages it is, but mine was like seven pages. So, because I was just testing, yeah. testing the waters of self publishing and, and setting yourself up as an author. Page just, it, it was just an old story I'd written at uni, but it was one of my good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I just thought, I'm going to just test this out um did the book covers which i love doing i love designing the book covers. sometimes i spend more time doing that than writing the actual story (laughs) (laughs) Uh. do you find that i mean do you have um sort of uh, allowed opinions on like on the on the book covers or is that taken out of your remit would you i mean do you choose what you can put on your covers
1: Oh, yeah, I actually hire a cover designer. Um, So I work with someone and I send her the I send her covers that I like elements of and let her know like, oh, I like how this looks or I like the kind of like these moody woods in this one. Um, So I just send her some kind of images and completed covers, um, picking apart the pieces that I like, and then she puts it together and does like a mock-up for me, and then we tweak it as needed. Um, With the one series that I have out, uh, well, now there's two, but um, the one that came out first is called Monsters in the, no, yes, Monsters in the Green Mountains. And um, that one, she, tried to brand the cover somewhat so that they all had similar font, and the color scheme is somewhat alike and this is the series um is this your first series that you've written that's the first
0: series yes how do you find writing series do you find that you have to <laughs> split them and be like i have to save this for this book and this for this book and all the material or just
1: yeah well, Yeah, my series are a little, uh, the series is a little funny. The Monsters in the Green Mountain series. I'm not really a series person. Like I don't really like reading series. I get bored usually after like the second book. Um, But I wanted to try something with a series that was a little bit different than kind of the traditional, where you have the same protagonist who moves throughout the whole thing. So what I did was um, I created kind of a theme for the series, which is all like folklore, kind of monsters in the woods type stories. And um, each book can be read as a standalone or you can read them in any order basically because they all just have that theme that ties them together. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with Castle Rock. Yes, Stephen King. Yeah, so it's kind of that it's, they're not all set in the exact same, like little small town, but they all take place in these really remote areas of Vermont, like these very wilderness type areas. And there's all these um, creepy folklore, folkloric creatures that um, that make an appearance, a different one in each book.
0: Well, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it helped me to keep my attention and like interest because I knew each book I was gonna be able to explore kind of a different creepy situation. Um, and people seem to like how they, um, I think just people that like that kind of book are excited because they're like, oh, yay, there's three more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I did. I know you you
0: write about um, small towns and that kind of setting. Is there a, a, a reason that you're drawn to that type of genre? I
1: I don't know. I I love reading that kind of book. Um, and all of my books are set here in Vermont. And I don't know. At, at some point, people have asked, like, "Don't you want to like take your characters somewhere else?" And I guess I could, but I feel like there's so much here. And there's so much of the state kind of lends itself to creepy, mystery, <laughs> atmospheric books that um, I'm, I'm happy to keep setting them here for now. We'll see if that changes. But I do love like, I loved uh, Girl on a Train and other one, you know, other like suspense that's set in big cities. Um, but for the most part, I do feel like I'm drawn more to small town suspense or um yeah like I read uh what was the name of it it's called Hunted by Darcy Coates and that was uh, standalone it was set in this really remote wilderness location in Australia and there was like this potential you weren't sure if it was like a paranormal situation or if there was some kind of like a psycho killer on the loose <laughs> but that was very very good and it even though I I've never been to Australia it was easy for me to imagine myself in these like really deep woods because I've been in really deep woods before. (laughs) Um, You've also uh, said in another, one of your YouTube videos,
0: um, you talk about writers that who can't let go, authors that can't let go. Um, Or they keep, they stuck on the same project for years and years. Um, I'm actually the opposite in the sense that I have, I start something, then I have an idea of this and I've got another idea, another, and there's all these different threads. And I'm like, I need to pick a lane. Um, <laughs> like for me I'm writing so my my historical uh romance is about a family and there's the hero and the heroine but I already know stories of their kids right <laughs> so I'm like I haven't written the first book yet they're not even together and I'm like how do you just stop yourself from doing that just focus on one thing
1: yeah it can be hard I I'm definitely more um in your camp as far as that goes but What I've found is that um, sometimes I think that we are just like really excited by this bright, shiny new idea over here and um, just reining ourselves in and sometimes just taking notes on like that idea so that you don't lose the thought or the inspiration behind it. That can help. Um, Sometimes too, I think that we allow it to – distract us when the writing gets hard like for me, I hate the middle of a book. Like every time I get to the middle or every time I, I notice myself, like my energy is kind of dragging in my writing and I start to really dread it. I check my word count and I'm usually somewhere around the middle because it feels like such a long way to the end. And like all the fun new excitement has kind of worn off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess just kind of trying to gauge which it is for you and maybe it's both. But um, anything you can do to just keep plugging away on that project that you committed to and then writing notes to yourself. Uh, even You could even start, like, if you want to make it more fun, maybe just start, like, a Pinterest board or um, even, like, a file folder and start ripping out, like, pictures or jotting notes down. Um, maybe take, like, yeah, <laughs> doing that. Of, like, the house that they live in, it's, like, this... Yeah. <laughs> country
0: manner and I've just I had so much fun with it but it does it does help get creative especially when you're writing about a different time period like 200 years ago
1: um, right
0: it, yeah it definitely helps um I mean I used to also mentioned that you wrote um a historical uh, well, like a sort of a period era piece um was it hard to get the language exact like right before that time and then
1: switch to contemporary, afterwards? well i have not excuse me i haven't published that series yet um i'm like two books in and i think i'm gonna want to maybe work with someone who either an editor who likes to work in that time period or maybe even look for beta readers early readers who love reading in that time period because I don't necessarily want the language to be completely accurate. I think it would kind of be distracting for the readers. But at the same time, I was not super careful about, um, about making sure that nothing modern snuck in. (laughs) So I definitely want to get some like expert readers on board and have them review it and point out anything that they notice. It's a, That series is one where um, it flip flops back and forth between modern day. So I have a modern day character who's researching a mystery from like the 1800s, the late 1800s. And when um, every other chapter it flips to the woman who lived in during that 1800s time period so i just tried to be really careful like not to use a lot of contractions or not to use slang obviously just to make the language like a little bit more formal but i'm not sure that i got all the notes right there yet
0: (laughs) that's good i mean because i feel that that is quite important and that's something that i'm trying to get right as well because i've read um historical contemporary historical fiction or people trying to write regency romance novels um, and it's got a lot of modern day terms like they say technically or this and that and i'm like they okay. wouldn't know what technically <laughs> i think they wouldn't know um, and someone actually put oh well it's genetic then and i'm like this is a regency book they didn't know anything about genes until like way like hundreds and hundreds it just pulls you from the story and yeah, yeah. so it's like what not to do <laughs> and also, like I'm going, just going back to when you said you were getting tired when during writing. Um, I can tell some in some books as well that um, where the author has like got really tired at the end, particularly towards the end, or they've just rushed to get the ending, and it's really annoying because the strong has such a strong start, and it really pulls you in, and then the end is just it's not written great, and it's just you can just tell that they're like, okay, I need to get this into the publisher or I just want to go to bed or something right. like right. the end, I mean, It's quite disappointing. But
1: yeah. And I think that leaves like a really bad taste in the reader's mouth. And then are they really gonna wanna read anything else that you've written? If yeah. you left them with like an unsatisfying ending, that kind of, that's the last thing they're gonna remember about that book is like, ugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh it's annoying because it was started was so strong and and I just wasted all this time it feels like a time waste
1: right right and
0: yeah. um, yeah. and finally uh, what do you hope that people can take from your writing and your work
1: well i my the tagline for my books for all my books is suspense that turns pages not stomachs
0: <laughs> and
1: the reason that i chose that was <laughs> was because um i Love suspense, and I love creepy, dark stories um, but i don't love a ton of gore and or like torture or anything to do with like little kids or i don't know i just i I hate the feeling when you're reading an excellent book and you're totally immersed in it, and something just like hits you like a Mac truck at from nowhere and you're like why why did you do that? You just like totally ruined the book for me. Um, and it's not like when you're watching a movie and you can kind of, you're getting the signs like, Oh no, somebody yeah, probably- like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't want my readers. I want my readers to like, feel free to be scared, but know that it's not going to be It's not going to end in like a horrifying depressing situation so um there's always hope kind of woven in throughout my books and i feel like even though there's some subjects and some um situations that are very dark there's always kind of light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) that's really good which is really rare to see in like mysteries and that kind of stuff
0: yeah (laughs) you kind of just expect especially like in these small towns you just expect it to be oh gonna have to cover my eyes <laughs> right. right, the human imagination is it is quite a dangerous thing and especially how you describe it everyone's you know mind can wander especially when it's like graphic as well
1: yes right <laughs> and i just really i really admire authors like um daphne du Maurier and shirley jackson i've read only one of shirley jackson so maybe her others are darker but um and a lot of like Um, contemporary authors like Ruth Ware and um, Lisa Unger. I love how they just tell these really incredible stories and they can keep you like so freaked out and like on the edge of your seat with suspense, but you're also assured, at least up to this point, I haven't read any that, you know, go into those like places of no return. (laughs) So I love that. I love that you can get all of the thrills and chills without um having to go into like super gory disturbing territory.
0: <laughs> I agree. I think it's also what's
1: best is what's not said. Because then again the, the reader can just leave up to their imagination. Right? Exactly. Yes. I think we need to trust our readers and readers have fantastic imaginations. That's why people read is to use their imaginations. So I don't think that we need to like force a lot of stuff in there. Just let their mind do the work. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've already I've already made up my mind because like the historical romance, everyone's like, "Oh, how graphic are you going to be?" I'm like, "I'm not like <laughs> well, I I don't want to." And some a lot of people are like, uh "Actually, yeah, that's a, that's because not everyone wants to read. That. Just let your imagination do it." That's right. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and all those other books that was published in time they didn't have it all like graphically done. <laughs> it, but it's such a beautiful book, so you can write romance. Right. Kind of getting to you know what goes on behind closed doors. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really, really yes. happy that I got to pick your brain about I feel like I've been on a therapist couch. Oh. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Cause I didn't feel like I'd ne- I be, I didn't realise how much I needed a writing code until up until this point. <laughs> and I got to upload like, all the stuff like, yeah, I do this, I do that. I'm really bad with timekeeping. Yeah, but I feel like I've sorted a lot. I know what to do. Good. That's Um, fantastic. And we've got a link to all your, um, your website and where you can buy your books and your YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, where can we find you on social media?
1: So, yeah, I have paired way down. So I'm now on Instagram only and it's, I think it's JP show. Oh my gosh. I don't remember. I think it's JP show underscore author. But if you go to the website, it'll you'll find the link there too.
0: Yeah, and I'll put it all in the description below. Perfect. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll see you in the next one.